Hi, and welcome to episode 24 of the Ask Mr. DNS podcast. This is Cricket Lou with my partner in crime, Matt Larson. Hi there. And we are finally back to you with a new podcast. It has been a while, hasn't it? I, I looked. The last one was June 5th or June 4th, so we're Ooh. almost at the three-month mark, which is just inexcusable. We can't have a quarterly podcast. No, I'm afraid that that wouldn't really do, would it? Um, but we're, we're pleased to be back, and we're actually gratified that people are still submitting questions, despite <laughs> the fact that we're not generally speaking answering them promptly. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and we should say this is the uh, the natural disaster episode. That's right. That's right. Uh, you've just weathered uh, the, the hurricane, right? Yeah, and before that, an earthquake. I'm in the metro D.C. area, and we just had a glancing blow from Hurricane Irene, and before that, a 5.8 magnitude earthquake. Did you, did you happen to see the very snarky um, little caption that was posted by somebody who probably lives out on the West Coast after the earthquake? Was this the one with the picture of the lawn furniture? Yes. You know, that, that went viral, <laughs> or if that's the right term, instantly. I have heard more people talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I got a copy of that. I was down in South America last week, and <laughs> somebody emailed me a copy. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's answer some questions from the mailbag. Let's do. Yes. All right. Uh, let's see. Oh, we did. We didn't do our usual deciding who's going to read what. So I'm just going to make a command decision and read the first one. How's that? Please do. All right. So this is from uh, Jorge Fabregas. Is that how you'd say that? Uh, perhaps. Yeah. I don't know. I, this page is the Spanish speaker in the family. Okay. Well, and so so Jorge, uh, we're going to answer this question now. This is the most recent one he sent us. But I think episode 25 is going to be known as the Jorge Fabregas episode because he sent us nine questions in one message and you know they're all pretty good and uh maybe we just need to have a you know a a speed episode and just just crank through all of his all of his questions yeah absolutely the lightning round there you go that's what i was that's the term i was fishing for but anyway jorge most recently asks us uh he said hello again mr dns i have another question besides the bunch i already submitted and then he does have a smiley face Um, This is regarding traffic filtering at the firewall level in front of DNS. Here is the question. Should I allow ICMP echo requests that is ping to my authoritative servers? Or should I only allow strictly TCP 53 and UDP 53? I often see conflicting views regarding this between security guys who want to drop ICMP and networking guys who want to allow it and help others troubleshoot. Boy, that's a a tough one. I think that's... um that's really a a personal preference, don't you? I mean, he's absolutely I, right in that the networking guys would go, "Well, I want people to be able to verify that my, you know, the hosts supporting my name servers are up." And and <laughs> the security guys would say, "Hell no." Yeah, I just I I don't know. I you and I have both been on the internet long enough that, you know, we remember the friendlier time when you could ping anything and there weren't even that many firewalls. Yeah. I I just hate it that like even in uh the internal network of my employer, we have uh, ICMP stopped everywhere, it seems. So you, you just can't ping anything, and it's just it's just so frustrating. So I, I have a knee-jerk reaction that says, you know, why not why not just have it have it enabled? I mean, yeah. 10 years ago, there was some piece of malware that propagated based, by, based on pinging things, and so, you know, it got shut off then, and now 10 years later, it's still shut off, and I don't know. I mean, but, you know, I'm not a security guy, so I don't see all the horrible things that they see that you know make them shudder and stay awake at night 
Yeah. Well, you'd think by now we kind of understand, um, you know, the threats that are <laughs> that that ICMP echo requests and echo replies pose, right? And 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 I would imagine that for the most part, those things have have been addressed. I mean, I could be horribly wrong, and some security professional who listens to the podcast may may uh, prove as much <laughs> after listening to this, but. Well, I could see the argument that you know you could have malware that could discover new targets by using uh, using ICMP, but you know, there's also another a bunch of other ways to do that. Well, it could just as easily discover targets by looking at NS records and A records, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, from a DNS perspective. Sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. So. so I think in our in our charitable mood this evening, I think our our opinion is that uh, it's nice to have ICMP open so people can. Can help out and can say, "Hey, I can I can ping your name server, but uh, it's not responding to uh, to queries anymore. Maybe maybe it's down, right?" Yep, I I agree. And you know this this will also uh, this is a good uh, question to point out another thing that he that he says he, he mentions allowing uh, TCP fifty three and UDP fifty three, and we should point out that you really do need uh, TCP open to your name servers. You right. You you really. You can sort of get by with just UDP, but you know if somebody has to retry over TCP, and now in in a world of DNSSEC and uh, MTUs that aren't always big enough to send responses, you know it's not uncommon to see responses with the uh, the truncate bit, the TC bit set, and that means that the querier has to retry over TCP. And if you don't allow TCP, then they're out of luck. Yep. Yeah, that's right. And and of course, there's also, um, you know, the issue of some of these older firewalls that think that all DNS messages are less than 512 bytes, at least all UDP based DNS messages are less than 512 bytes long, which is, which is an anachronism now, because with EDNS zero, they can be substantially larger than that. So you have to make sure your firewall will pass those EDNS zero based DNS messages. Do you know what the date on the EDNS zero RFC is? Oh, it's Gosh, what is it? It's probably what more than a decade ago. It's 1999, yeah. <laughs> and we still have this problem. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when we're in charge, things are going to be different. That's right. That's right. Things are going to be very, very different. You know um, there's going to be there's going to be no driving in the left lane. The left lane is only for passing. I like that. I like and you know that. You know what will happen if you drive in the left lane? A helicopter will come and and pull you off of the the freeway at high speed with a big yeah. electromagnet, yeah. straight to jail. <laughs> that that yeah, actually like you go happened. to jail for like just just overnight, and and so this teaches you, mm-hmm. and it also sets an example to all your friends and family. That's right, as they see you towed away. Uh, That's right by the by the helicopter. That was actually in a James Bond movie that I saw not too long ago. Have you ever driven on the autobahn? Yeah, sure. Yeah, so you know what it's like there in a country where they have that rule and people follow the rule. Oh yeah, have, yeah. Heaven help you if you are in the left lane on the autobahn. Yeah, you'll you have not a, passing. You'll have an S fifty five on your bumper at a hundred and twenty miles per hour, with his lights flashing, gesticulating madly at you. Yeah. So there. That's 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 the first thing. I, I have a whole another list, but I'll save it. <laughs> All right, another, another episode. All right, shall I, shall I read Donnie's question? Sure. All right, so working backwards, we have a question from Donnie Carvajal. At least I think it's Carvajal. He says, we are hosting an intranet website for a client, and they are hosting the DNS. They want the website to be private, so they are only adding the intranet subdomain to their internal DNS. For support, we would like to access the website via intranet.domain.com, 
However, we don't want to replicate their entire DNS zone in our DNS server. Is there a way to add the zone to our DNS server, set up the intranet A record, but have all the other requests look to their public DNS server? This way, we can still access www.domain.com and the MX records. I thought setting their DNS server as the NS record would work, but we are not finding the other subdomains from our network. Yeah, so I had to sort of um, think about this one a bit to kind of wrap my head around it, just because it's what I think is probably kind of an unusual use case, which is this hosting company is hosting uh, a website that is intended to be internal or, you know, for the internal use only of this particular client at domain.com. Right. And so I guess then presumably this this particular name is only resolvable inside domain.com's network. Right, right. But other other domain.com stuff seems to be resolvable inside or outside. Right. So what would you do? Well, my thought was to have the hosting company set up a zone called intranet.domain.com, and all it would really need to contain is just the single address record that pointed to whatever IP address uh, represents the hosting company's view of the, uh, the intranet website. And then that wouldn't interfere with their resolution of anything else .domain.com, including www.domain.com or the MX records for domain.com, right? Yep. Yeah, and, and of course there wouldn't be a proper delegation from the domain.com zone to this, but who cares because it's only for the local use of the hosting company. Exactly, exactly. And in fact, those, those, any kind of delegation that might actually exist out there would sort of give away the fact that the hosting company could really resolve this stuff. So yeah. only people who actually had uh, resolvers that were pointed directly at the recursive name server that was loading that sort of private intranet.domain.com would be able to resolve the, the, the intranet website. Yep. All right. We're just, we're just flying through this podcast. We're going to have to, I might have to pull out more things on my list of what will change when I'm in charge. <laughs> or not. <laughs> we haven't cleared that with me yet. <laughs> So who's next? All right. So next is... I'm glad I've left you this one because I can't pronounce his last name to save my own life. Oh, my. Well, it's it's a, a gentleman from the Netherlands, or at least a Dutch-speaking country. Let's see. What's his signature say? Uh, yes. The, he's from the Netherlands. His yes, first name is. is Leo, and his last name starts with a V and has uh, 14 letters. Oh, he, look, at 15? the end, in the PSs, he says, my name, phonetic, open terminal and Apple and type. My goodness, we have to try this. We have never had anyone actually provide that kind of hint to us, have we? Holy smokes. I didn't notice this until now either. Okay, so it's, okay, so he's even telling us Leo is not right. It's, it's Leo. Leo. Funda Husteiner. Yeah, Funda Husteiner. That actually, uh, we should we should tell Leo that when you do this, when you actually he he, he sent the command line. Uh, oh, I guess oh, yeah. assuming that we actually had Macs, which which in this case is actually correct, but the Mac actually reads the dashes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so it says fun dash da dash who dash Stein dash na dash. <laughs> I imagine he doesn't really have all those dashes in his name. No, I suppose. It's not. Let's see. I gotta. I wanna. I wanna hear this. All right. You need. You need. You need to fill. You need to fill. Uh, fill dead air while I. Uh, you. You're gonna try it. Yeah. Yeah. So you did. You. You. You did this in the. Uh, 
in the background already? You already I did. I did. Yeah, I, I went and I tossed it into the into my Max command line and and, and listened to it on my headphones pri privately. <laughs> that's that's great. You know, could, should that be a standard? Should we ask people who have names that uh, we're going to have trouble pronouncing actually send us a pronunciation guide like that, preferably using uh, Mac OS X say command? That that would be ideal. <laughs> Do you think anyone will? <laughs> Do you think anyone actually listens? That's cool. I wonder. I, I, let's see. Too bad there's no easy way to. Uh, let's see. Oh, I have another Mac. All right. Keep filling air. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to have to figure out how to do this for for my own name. Although, the the sad thing is that my my father, my own father, uh, God rest his soul actually said that I don't pronounce our last name correctly. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. How do you like that? How do you like that for, for a burden? He's like, well, ah, I, it's I, not really the way you pronounce it, son. I've observed that you, you do have a little twist on the vowel that I don't try to approximate. I just give it, you know, sort of a regular Midwestern flat pronunciation. Yeah, well, you know, some people some people pronounce it basically the same way that you pronounce the first name L O U, right? Just like Lou, uh -huh. Lou. And I certainly I guess that's what I do. Yeah, I mean, that that's as far as I'm concerned, absolutely forgivable. Um, I'll, I'll, you've taken a big burden off me. Well, there you go. And, and but there are other people. There are other people. People who actually speak Chinese, for example, um, uh, who who pronounce it sort of with a, a more like an ew. Uh, at mm -hmm. the end, so you could do that. But then there's the other aspect of it. I think is that you know um, a lot of a lot of native uh, speakers of of Chinese and actually a few Asian languages have kind of a hard time uh, differentiating between D's and L's, right? Mm -hmm. You know the the sounds sort of sort of uh, uh, blur a little bit, and so it's not the same kind of la sound that uh, you know a native English speaker would make. So, am I filling enough air? Yeah. Okay. I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. All right. Should we go ahead and <laughs> answer poor patient Leo's question? Oh, I, did did you hear it? I played it. Could you hear it? Couldn't no, hear it. I couldn't Here hear we it. go. Try it again. Lay. Oh, fondulustanah. Did you get it? I did. I did. I think even our readers could, our listeners could hear that. That's Excellent. that's wonderful. So this is all time our listeners will never get back. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Let me actually read the question. All right, so uh, he says uh, that he has a simple question, although the answer may be more complex. Uh, he saw, uh, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit here, uh, he saw a particular domain name called Robo, robobank.nl, mm -hmm. and he noticed that it lists three name servers in its zone, but one level up, that would be at the .nl zone, there are only two NS records. Mm -hmm. And he says, initially I thought it ought to be a mistake, but it seems not to conflict any RFC. As this scenario is practiced in all their domains, uh, it can't be unintended. And then he gives an example of uh, you know an, another particular uh, domain, ubs.ch does the same thing. Uh, and then he's seen it the other way around, where that is there are uh, more name servers in the parent than they are in the child. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and he says, uh, you know, additionally he wonders, in case there's a benefit to one of the methods, could these uh, also be done one level up, and does this, uh, does a TLD operator do this, or would that raise some problems with DNSSEC? Hmm, mm-hmm, okay. So, I, you, we've talked about this before in the podcast, I think, I don't remember what episode and how long ago it was. Yeah, yeah, we have, we have. It's interesting, you know, um, 
one thing in particular that Rabobank and UBS both have in common? Uh, both banks. That's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're you're the one who reads the Wall Street Journal, so I, I will defer to you for the answer. Oh, <laughs> they're both Infoblox customers. Oh. <laughs> I just uh -huh. I actually actually know the I think I know the teams at both uh, at at both banks. They're 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 good folks. I, I mean, of course, that's not it's not a requirement that you set things up like that if you're using Infoblox. But yeah, I mean, that's 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 an interesting question. I mean, I think certainly um, most DNS folks would recommend that you keep the NS record set at the parent zone and in your own zone synchronized, right? Yes, in a perfect world, they'd always be the same. Yeah. However. There's, you know, we have we have that that rule, and, and I'm sure some of our listeners can, can quote chapter and verse where there's some RFC somewhere that says they have to be the same. But uh, you know, so we, we have that. But at the same time, DNS itself at the protocol level doesn't give us any way to keep them in sync. Right. So as as soon as you have a requirement to keep two things in sync, but you don't provide a mechanism for doing so, things are not going to stay in sync. Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, it it doesn't really have a, a tremendous adverse effect to have them out of sync. And this is where I think Olafur is now spitting coffee all over his laptop, right? <laughs> I um, think so. But what, what would happen, I think, is that, um, you know, somebody who was following the delegation from, for example, the Rabobank dot, uh, from the NL servers to the Rabobank dot NL servers would have to choose one of the two authoritative name servers listed. But then once they got an answer to their query, directly from one of the authoritative name servers, they'd actually see all three NS records, assuming uh, minimal responses wasn't turned on. And those three NS records that they got back would override the two from the parent because they would have higher credibility. Yes, I was just going to say this lets us talk about credibility, which comes from, uh, that's RFC 2181, the clarifications to the DNS spec. That that outlines the credibility hierarchy and the idea is that at the top is authoritative data that you load from a zone file and then the next I'm doing this from memory and I probably shouldn't but like the next thing down is authoritative answers you receive uh, and I think the next thing is data in the authority zone of an authoritative answer and then I think non-authoritative answer data and then right. finally additional section data. Is that, would you buy that? Does that sound right? That sounds right to me. The, the idea being that you can get the same resource record set from a number of different places, you know, while you're talking to other name servers out there on the internet. And you have to have a way to kind of sort through the relative goodness or believability of that data. And so according to that, that hierarchy that Matt just went through, you would replace um, less credible data with more credible data. Yeah, and I think NS records are the canonical example of that because they're found in two different places yeah that's and you right receive them in two contexts in in the referral where they're uh it, let's see it'd be non-authoritative data and they come in the authority section of the referral so a recursive name server would cache them and then when it follows the referral it gets the response that has whatever was being asked for in the answer section but then the authority section of this authoritative answer has the child's version of the nsrr set and that's more credible according right. to that credibility hierarchy and so the recursive name server says oh well i'm going to throw out that stuff that i just cached and i'm going to take this more more credible answer right it, the other thing that leo um, alluded to which was whether this would have some sort of adver adverse effect on um, dnssec i don't believe that it would right dnssec is perfectly capable of having uh uh different data in the parent and the child it's only the child zones ns records that are signed anyway right 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 and, and you know the way um the way a lot of validators work anyway is they just 
you know, they just don't even care about this stuff unless you're querying for NS records at a particular zone. Um, the, you know, the thing that actually gets validated is the ultimate answer. And, and then, of course, the chain of trust consisting of DS records and DNS key records. But, you know, the NS records, it, it doesn't, they're just not signed, as you say, and they, they just don't matter. And, and so this freaks some people out. They say, well, what, what if you get sent to the wrong zone by spoofed NS records? And the answer is, well, then you do, and the ultimate data won't verify. Exactly. Exactly, because it doesn't have, you know, the, the parent has already vouched for a particular uh, public key or set of public keys using DS records. Yep. All right. All right, well, that, uh, that I think, brings us to the end. And, and you know, this is, this is good. This is kind of a, a, a gentle reintroduction <laughs> uh, after three months to both, both us and our listeners. So we're not going to go, you know, our usual half-hour length. We'll ring it in a little short. Yep, I think that's uh, that's perfectly uh, perfectly legitimate at this point, and hopefully that will induce us to come back more quickly uh, for <laughs> for the next podcast episode, right? Yeah, you know some of these podcasts I don't listen to any of them regularly, but there are some that I see that you know they're like an hour. These you know folks crank out an hour, you know whatever interval they're on, but I mean an hour is a big commitment to listen to some you know some folks yammer on about something. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This now, is, you know, this is only 22 minutes of us yammering. <laughs> now, did you did you get the email that I sent you about the new Neil Stevenson book coming out? I did. It, that was that was a little while ago, right? Uh, I, I mean, I mean, you sent the email what a week or so ago, right? Uh, yeah, probably probably several days, maybe almost a week. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you reminded me because I'll have to go to Amazon and pre-order it. Yeah, I think that's the one alert I actually have set. Oh, really? uh, at, at Amazon is tell me when Neil Stevenson has a new book coming out. Yeah, I, I probably, if I had any alerts, that would be the first one I would set up because I think he's probably the one author where it doesn't matter what it is. Yep. If he's got a new book, I'm going to buy it and read it. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. And I, I, I wouldn't say that. I think I used to say that about Haruki Murakami. Um, but yeah, I think that Stevenson is pretty much it right now. All right. Well, I think we should wrap this thing up rather than keep filling air. We've had we've had too many examples of that this episode anyway. Yes, indeed. All right. So thanks for listening. Thanks for coming back and listening. Uh, we really do appreciate your questions, and we really do need your questions. As you can see, uh, we answered some recent ones this time to give people hope that when you send in a question, we actually will read it and answer them. We read every question, and uh, you know we try to get them all on the air. So please send them to us at... Uh, Mr. DNS at ask-mrdns.com. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you again uh, soon before three months. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.